Hi, my name is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it's movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series all day long and talk about them with my friends that work here. Today on the show, I have a good old chat with Cole and Graham, two uh, co-workers here, and it's just a fat chat. We get into all sorts of things. We delve a little into some film school, which is great, uh, and, and it's exciting to share those kinds of principles and talk about the knowledge that we have. But I've long since said this, that I don't want to make these chats too film geeky or too deep water in terms of any kind of academic study, but I think it's a really cool thing to be able to bring that knowledge into these conversations and share them with you so that you can hopefully enjoy your film experience more or pick up on certain things that you might not necessarily be thinking about. Um, that's the that's one of the nice parts of, about this because we really want to make the video store a conversation for anyone who watches movies, anyone who watches TV, which is all of us. So without further ado, this is me doing a shift with Cole and Graham. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? Okay. How's it, dudes? Good. Cool, now that we fixed our seats. The band's back together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With some coffee from the bioscope. Courtesy right. of. Yeah. No, it's the least I can do. Bringing you guys out here to to work. Yeah. Work in inverted commas. In inverted yeah. Commas. Very inverted commas. Yeah. Um, we are busy, um, obviously, sitting in the bioscope recording this this shift, this episode. Mm-hmm. But tonight is actually quite a special night because tonight we are going to return back to this very room to present our first screening which is great it's so cool it's um obviously the they can stand separate but they're very linked the fact that the video store and the bioscope Mm. are kind of almost one and the same and that the video store is a podcast that's been birthed out of the bioscope and we have this facility we have a cinema we are talking about movies so it makes sense that as a podcast we present curated movie experiences and with halloween weekend up above us um we chose what to do in the shadows yeah what as we do in the what shadows. we do in the shadows as um our inaugural a, our inaugural <laughs> screening because it's one of those movies that um you show to your friends 100 yeah, percent. yes it's there's there's definitely been this kind of film that we've presented at the bioscope in the past we yes. used to have the signature event we used to call it you've never seen the film and then the name of the film Uh. question mark and the whole point was like this is a movie you have to see (laughs) but it was quite a convoluted title (laughs) concept the dynamic around it was really cool because if you bought someone who hadn't seen it they got a free popcorn if you yeah Uh. yeah it it was close if you brought someone who hadn't seen it you get the free popcorn. okay cool (laughs) it it was a lovely idea and and it often worked because we chose the right film And then um, leading up to Halloween, um, what we do in the shadows was going to be that, under that I, concept. And then I thought, okay. no, we really need to uh, have more events that engage with an audience, that bring an audience closer, 
looking at them <laughs> face to face, you know, because obviously like we record out and it goes out into the world and yeah. it's just lovely to be able to see people in the eye and interact one on one. And you realize like the Bioscope for the last 10, 12 years has been mm. doing events where companies have needed to do events and we've always been on the organizing side. Yeah. And then when you start something yourself like this, you go, oh, this is why people do events. <laughs> this is why, this is marketing. Like this yeah. is how, this is why corporate events exist in the world so that you can bring your audience in, hold them dear, look after them, give them stuff, communicate things and grow it. So yeah. here's to many more. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited about it, the idea of it mm. and what forms we're going to introduce in yeah, and the I think, form. And I'd like to perhaps plant the seed is I think we should be chatting and coming up and picking the next event on on record, on on, okay. on episodes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that people can be a part of the decision making process. Mm. So the challenge is what would be our Christmas film? Ooh. What right. could we present in November, December? Awesome. That we think as the video store is a, a perhaps a Christmassy themed movie that mm. you need to see that perhaps other people haven't seen. So cool. Right. I don't have to I mean you can pick any Shane Black film because they're all set at Christmas. <laughs> Shane Black? Shane Black, the director, Shane Black. Who's Shane Black? Um, I've heard the name. Predator. Predator. The, the, Predator the, said the bad Predator one. Oh. Uh, yeah. They're, uh, all okay. of his movies. Iron Man he didn't direct the first Predator, of course. Sorry. Um, what else has he done? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, I loved Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> that um, would be a goodie. Because, yeah, she wears the Christmas hat. It's yeah. in Christmas. All of his I movies are set at Christmas. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. For some reason, I have no idea why. Do you know about Kiss Kiss mm-hmm. Bang Bang? Mm. And the Nice Guys. No, the Nice Guys as well. I didn't get the nice guys. Did you get the nice guys? I haven't watched it yet. It's um, okay. It's yeah. it's on a guys, like storage format. Gosling, Gosling, waiting to be seen. Gosling in a funny role is yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Like he he's he's better, I think, mm. funnier than trying to be too broody and serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but were, were we talking about this the other day? That Ryan Gosling has found this mode of being. I don't think it might have been you. It might have been someone else. Yeah. Where. He has figured out that he has to do... I mean, he does a lot. Yeah. I'm not diminishing how much work he does as an actor in films like Blade Runner 2049, Drive, mm. where he's playing the sullen, quiet, stoic, yeah. stiff, mm. expressionless character for a lot of the movie. Yeah, And it's like he's tapped into something there where mm. it feels like these actors are doing like 10 times more work than you right now. <laughs> yeah, And you are like doing something cool but he's tapped into something really interesting there. He's mm. just like, I can stand up and brood. Yeah. And people are going to pay me millions of dollars. Smaller is better. It's one of those, it's yeah. one of those acting tips. It's always that. Perhaps mm. not for theater where you have to be yeah. bigger. Mm. And that's and it what also I, depends on genre. Sure. But generally, people will overact. Mm. Like, um, not to say amateur, but, but generally one tries to go like, what is my decision? What, am, <laughs> what is my motivation in every action that I do? And so you can very easily overthink it as an actor where sometimes yeah. like you just sit and be calm and still and sometimes right. that's yeah. better. I, was, I remember when we learned that in film school in directing class with an acting workshop with Justin Stradom. Oh, yes. Um, and we were looking at degrees of the same action, mm. intensity, mm. right? And looking at it through a camera. So not looking with your eyes, right? So we set up a little camera. And then sitting there and realizing, oh, 
that's why that looks weird on film. Mm. It's like you are so tuned into, especially when you're far away from someone. If you're far away from them, of course the emotion has to be bigger mm. as an audience member in a theater. Right, but if you've got a long lens trained on this person's face in a close-up, yeah. the smallest thing matters. Mm. The smallest, smallest thing. I was actually showing a student in an English lesson today a scene in Lord of the Rings where Galadriel is showing Frodo the mirror. Yeah. Because I was teaching him the difference between see, watch, and look, which is like ridiculous. The more I thought about it, you can watch a TV, but if I say, what are you seeing on the TV? Mm. That makes sense to me now. But he would say, what do you see the TV? I'm like, no, no, no. Why does that sound weird? Let's yes. figure this out. I hate teaching English. It's like incredibly difficult. <laughs> it is so difficult. There's it that, is so there's difficult that to thing, explain. There's that thing about adjectives. Hmm? Have you ever seen that? They have an order. There's an order of oh, adjectives. yes. That we as, as native English speakers just know mm. that you would do color before size, before whatever. Material, so if you were describing origin. the pink elephant you know, or whatever it, you, you, we, yeah, you can say it's a big black dog. You can't say a black, big dog. Yes. Cause then that sounds weird for some reason. And yeah. we just know this, but yeah. anyone who doesn't would be like, oh, so confused. I've yeah. taught it to students a few times and I still have no idea how to teach it. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> you just have to repeat these sentences over and over and over again until it becomes like encoded in your memory. But anyways, okay. Galadriel looking down and Frodo walks up to the mirror and she gives a whole little speech about Things can be seen and can't be seen inside the mirror of Galadriel. Mm. It's not the dialogue. But <laughs> then when Frodo walks up, he looks into it, sees his reflection, looks back at her. Like you're expecting him to say, I don't see anything. Or what do I do? And he says nothing. And she looks at him. And then she looks down at the mirror before him and he follows. So nice. the cut goes, her eyes down. And then his, his eyes down. And I paused it. And of course, I got distracted in the lesson <laughs> looking at this. It's like, that is good filmmaking. And he mm. said, why? I was like, because she didn't say, look in the mirror. Yes. Look down. Yeah. It's this, it, you must watch it. It's this subtlest so, little movement that yeah, makes that, you go, oh, you must look in the mirror. Yeah. Mm. And we're constantly decoding that as viewers. Because that's the other huge lesson one learns in film school. Show, don't tell. Yeah. Yep. And what that expression really means to the person who didn't go to film school <laughs> is, yeah, is exactly that, which is like, there's nothing worse than being told, oh, let's go to the shops. And when we go to the shops, we'll buy the thing. It's like the audience is so much smarter than that. You can mm. just show it. Yeah. Show that that symbolizes something that means so much more than having someone go, I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what can you do to really show how sad they are? They don't have to say it. They can, you can show it. And that's, Graham and I, that's why I hated the movie Chappie. <laughs> oh, why? Well, because the unfurred kept going like, and we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. And then we're going to... Right. Uh, they I kept don't remember like, anything yeah, about it. Exactly. They just, they just kept telling and not showing. Right. It would be an interesting exercise to watch a film without sound. And seeing and whether seeing you how can... much of it you can pick up on. Like, like yeah. that's what George Lucas said about the, the Star Wars prequels. Was he designed them to work without audio. You know, it's so crazy. you could literally just look at them and you would be able to... You know, because we didn't want to hear Jar Jar. Yeah. Those masterpieces right. of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> so many people just got triggered hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been one of them 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but myself and Cole watched an exceptional movie. We had a little mandate on <laughs> Sunday. Saturday. Y yes. When did we go? Saturday. Oh, man, I don't know. When was it? Jeez, <laughs> I can't think backwards. I can't. It's impossible. Recently, we watched The Woman King. Mm. And it was exceptional. It was lovely. It, it was, was so cool. Exceptional. Surprising. 
and interesting. Yeah, so what do you know about it, Graham? Not much. Okay. I know the basic premise of it. I've seen the trailers, but yeah. I haven't. So I went in thinking, um, this is a cool like sort of rewriting of history, thinking that for the most part it was all made up <laughs> because you know, you were hearing tribes, names and places that you don't recognize, obviously, because it was a long time ago. It's 1820. Okay. Um, but we later discovered that it is very much a true story. Mm -hmm. um, Cole hit the hit the Google afterwards, and we <laughs> and this is what's so great about a movie experience when it kind yeah. of sits with you. It, it it penetrates you in a way that you kind of just see the world differently. And and we were <coughs> talking about who the director was, who the actors were. And then you were sharing these Wikipedia articles. So basically, mm -hmm. back of the box, the year is sort of, yeah, 1820s. We're in the height of the slave trade. And we're in West Africa where there's this kingdom called Dahomey. Dahomey. Which is like modern Benin. Modern Benin. Mm, okay. okay. Interesting. Okay. We didn't quite know where exactly in West yeah, Africa. Yeah, they didn't tell us. Okay. Modern day Benin. And there is this kingdom where there is a strong warrior army that is woman and and they're highly revered which mm. is great the whole when they walk through the village the village sort of bows their heads and they're they, not allowed to look they're at not them. even allowed to look right. at them because they're you know, the they're, high gods of the king there's the like high gods, yeah. a very well realized social structure yeah. that we've seen yeah. which like you haven't seen in any narrative about african colonialism ever yeah right which is fucking cool Continue. and then um basic plot of the movie is following a young girl who joins this army she's the next sort of generation yeah played by a young south african woman okay uh, didn't know that Tuso Mbedu, hmm. who awesome. uh, has recently gotten quite famous for being in the tv show underground railroad uh okay which is on amazon prime yeah Can't and that got people's attention where everyone's like did you, did you know the main well, one of the people's a south african but yeah. that was kind of her intro She's now got like millions of followers on, okay. on Instagram. She's she's and Good. obviously now even more famous because of the Woman King and she just was exceptional in this mm. role as a young girl coming up. And the basic plot is that they are questioning whether or not as a kingdom they should be participating in the slave trade, which is super interesting because mm. it's one of the lesser known facets of the history of slavery was the fact that African kings were selling Africans. Yeah. They, 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 yeah, the slave traders ex existed in Africa long before Wadi showed up. Well, there was so, there were a whole bunch of components. There was yeah. obviously these African kings who were selling. Mm -hmm. Then there were the people who did the buying. Yeah. A lot of Arabic um, ships and, and folk. And then it eventually ended up that these guys found themselves in, you know, America, for example, working on a cotton yeah. field. But like... Everyone's obviously evil and it's terrible and it's horrible. But an interesting part that people don't speak too much about is just the m morality of the fact that these African kings were selling. Obviously, yeah. they were they were selling their enemies, yeah. so they would capture them in a fight and then sell those yeah. people. Um, but this story has this woman general, Viola Davis, saying, we should not participate. But everyone's saying, you're not going to make money. Your mm. kingdom is not going to earn income. Mm. And then we'll, we'll find other ways. Yeah. So it was lovely to see that questioning and that being brought up, that being addressed. It was very cool. That being discussed. I won't spoil it, but they did change historically the king's position on slavery, which is yes. really interesting in the narrative. Yeah, that's been 
like seeing the criticism of the film. It's yeah. interesting seeing how people critique things. Yeah. In terms of people either coming at it from this is like a rad film that's doing yes. cool things with representation and it's telling a kind of story that hasn't been told before, at least not frequently. And then the other side is going, oh, this thing's historically inaccurate, so I should dismiss it. I think that's... Oh, so, so in real life, the king didn't take that position. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but who cares? Well, like the, at the yeah. end of the, no, totally, exactly. Yeah. That's the that's, point. That's, yeah. Because, because we're allowed the to first do that. We're allowed video, to tell the story. The first video I saw of someone criticizing the woman king was of this American podcaster Chowder that's become really popular. Never heard of it. Good. He's a like a racist person uh, yeah. and a very problematic right-wing individual. Uh, and his first thing commenting is like, Viola Davis supported slavery or likes slavery is his thumbnail bait clicky shit. Oh, no. And I like thought about that and I'm like, how hard do we criticize these movies, these historical movies? Or how hard is the rhetoric around criticizing historical accuracy mm. as a starting point, like you say, yeah. when it's about West Africa colonialism and black people yeah. and their protagonists and it's about women? Yes. It's like there's a lot to break down there. Yeah. Right? Suddenly we're critical of history. Well, yeah, I've seen a lot of people saying if white people can have brave heart, <laughs> then <laughs> then oh. everyone else can have this. Oh. <laughs> Because um, is Braveheart historically um, yeah. ridiculously Not inaccurate. even close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> but it's Mel Gibson. Um, so we must get back onto discussions about The Woman King because yeah. I want to talk about the one actress in um, No Time to Die, whose name I forgot. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch. So, so, so we walked away from that movie going, th- this is going to bring out Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just like, at least I want a SAG nomination for ensemble performance. Yeah. I think but, it deserves this. But one okay. thing, just to sort of just keep in the back of the box for now while we talk about the plot, mm. just to talk about these points, is there's this amazing moment where young, um, uh, the young warrior girl yeah. uh, is off in the jungle and she comes across the very handsome um, Brazilian, Brazilian slave trader guy. Yeah, who's, and he's a good slaver. He's he, got he's a, a, a yeah. <laughs> No, the the it's interesting how they portray the men. But there's this moment where you're like, oh, okay, now we in the sort of Pocahontas story where it's like the oh. two are going to fall in love. Yes. Uh, okay, let's interesting to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's amazing to see how it plays out because Brilliant. they she doesn't she she definitely um, is attracted to him. They definitely form a bond hmm. but it's not like oh i'm gonna just leave with you right. and kiss you under the and take you the back waterfall. to the civilized world with me <laughs> she chooses to stay p- spoiler alert yeah. i don't think it's necessarily t- too much of a, a plot uh, spoil but just to see how in every single moment they make her uh, incredible and strong yeah. and and a master of her own destiny so there's oh, even okay. a little moment where she's on like a log or a rock and he puts out his hand to help her get down and she mm. just jumps off herself, right. you know? And yeah, it's like just all these also, little points to look out for and watch in a particular way if you, if you haven't seen it. I think like in traditional the stuff that we've seen about um, the colonized world is that there's mm. this, how do, you, how do you make this in, a noun? There's this exoticism, like an exotic, exotic quality to yes. it, right? Oh. Where stuff is like seen through a lens of Indiana Jones exploring the untamed world. Well, yeah. they were called uh, they were called Amazonians. Yeah, in history they were called Amazonians. They the are Greek fucking so far away from the Amazon. No. But it's because those 
traders were Brazilian, mm. so they were using the words and the language that they yes. sort of knew. And so in the history books, these women in this particular tribe's or kingdom's women yeah. were referred to as like the Amazonian yeah. and some yeah. things. But the cool thing is to see um, this warrior race of women not being objectified ever. Uh, like you don't okay. really pick up on it until she stumbles on this guy swimming in a lagoon and he's completely naked. Right. And it happened with the first Wonder Woman mm-hmm. when we saw Chris Pine getting changed. Oh, yes. And it was just oh, like yeah. fully naked yeah. covering oh, his balls. And the camera, the camera gets to like track up yeah. and down him exactly. the, way it, the way in which it's done for women, you yeah. know. Exactly, in every other movie. You know, and it happens here as well. Years. And then you, you realize, oh, this is like a film about Africa and African identity where we're not objectifying African women mm. because in a lot of places they wouldn't wear tops or something. Yeah. We're not seeing things like that. These familiar images, they've created this culture mm. that like very closely aligns to ar- archaeological evidence we have. Mm. Listen to some interviews about it with the director. And to see like the man, it's happening a lot with women directors. That is really exciting. Right. Like, they, well, I, doing it's exciting same... for a bisexual like me, but like seeing the <laughs> no, shameless. No, he was a handsome man. I'm, I'm, I can no, say totally. that objectively. <laughs> but seeing how that shift is there and we've just been seeing the other side of it for so long. Well, that's what I remember studying in, in film school was, was the argument. The male gaze. The, the argument of the gaze, mm-hmm. all right? That spelt G A. Z E, not G Y, G A Y S, not the gays, the gays, yeah, um, and it's it's basically the idea behind it is is that the way in which a camera looks is the way in which its audience, its intended audience, looks. So the best example of this is how we are so often introduced to a, a sexy character mm. is that the camera will pan from their feet up, mm-hmm. and that'll mm-hmm. be sort of how like the the male gaze looks upon women yeah. mm. and and how we are so used to that it's normal right it's part of what has become an ingrained systemic issue mm. or something to address or something to challenge or something to change yeah and 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 it explains a lot so it's it interesting that, that yeah. there's an argument that hollywood for the lo- most part or film if you want to speak very generally is a straight white male yeah because of how it that camera moves. But I mean, that's a whole. No, I completely agree with you. But it was was one of those things that from my years of film school, you sort of pick up, you're like, okay, and the way, especially in documentary, how you look, how you choose to edit, how you choose to represent, says so much about you, whether you are conscious of it or not. Mm. Like that's when directing clicked for me, studying it, was that you are, and Chris Nolan said, you're the audience's representative on set as a director. Right. But you're telling, and like this will change from cinematographer to director collaboration pair, mm-hmm. but fundamentally, you are the lens through which the audience sees the narrative world. You, yes. are, you are telling the crew where our point of view is going to be, what you choose for the audience to see and not, mm-hmm. how much of the background is seen, which characters are seen, yeah. how do we see the characters. You are making all of those decisions. And what you just said is a really good reason for why when you're looking at films, it's really interesting to interrogate the biases of directors and yeah. storytellers mm. and to see like what we see is what you think. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, Someone recently was talking about working with Tom Cruise and they said he was so uh, aware of, of what the audience would want mm. in these action sequences. Mm. And he was just hyper aware of like 
this will work. Like people will love to see this. Constantly putting the audience first, which was interesting. But it just so happened that then in the same week, days later, after watching The Woman King, um, we watched The Battle of the Sexes on uh, Disney+. Plus. Was that the, the movie, movie? The tennis movie. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Which was lovely. By Billie Jean King, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so back of the box on Battle of the Sexes, it's uh, the sort of biopic of uh, the famous exhibition tennis match between Billie Jean King, who was then considered one of the best female tennis players in the world, but in a sort of wing of of sport that was quite underrepresented, not given as much attention, female tennis, mm. um, and them trying to uh, fight the federations to get better pay, be better represented as, as mm. tennis players, as athletes. And then Steve Carell plays a guy called uh, Bobby Riggs, who was a Hall of Fame tennis player, past his prime now, uh, so certainly not uh, uh, sort of at the top of his game, but him challenging women to say we can fight, you know, let's 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 play each other. Men are better. Men are superior. Sort of this out and out chauvinist, mm. and he and he and she accepts the challenge, and she fucks him up. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Who Spoiler plays? Uh, I know that Steve Carell plays the male tennis player. Who plays the woman? Uh, is the, it Emma Stone? Emma Stone. Okay. Cool. Do you know yeah. the song Philadelphia Freedom by Alton John? Is inspired by Billie Jean King uh, and a tennis right. team called the Philadelphia Freedoms I didn't know that okay yeah no, uh, she, that she, sounds amazing that sounds great. cool it's a, and it's just so interesting that, that those two movies came to me at the same time mm. and within the same week I saw these historical portraits or representation of, of just great strong women I don't know if I lovely. spoke to you about watching Hidalgo the week before I watched um, The Woman King Oh, okay. okay. Um, so it was one of my favorite films growing up. Loved it. Like it's an epic story of a horse race across the Arabian desert. Yeah. And Vigo has a bond with this horse and it's great. And like never looked beyond that as a 14 year old or however old I yeah. was when it came out. And now I was watching it and they said that the main character, like Vigo's character, is of Native American descent. Mm. Um, like half Native American, half Amer like white American. Yeah. In, in real life. Yes, a, and it's based on a true story. Based on a true story. But then I was like, oh, is Vigo like Native American? That like started a train of thought. And then, boy, did that lead me down a, a rabbit hole. Yeah. So we're talking about how well-researched and surprising it was that we watched The Woman King. Mm -hmm. And A, it was a film that inspired us to research about West African history, which when was the last time that, ha that happened in mm -hmm. a movie? Yeah. yeah. Right? And then looking at Hidalgo, it's a total bunch of horseshits, ironically. <laughs> Like, it is ridiculous. <laughs> this guy who wrote the screenplay just casually made up the fact that he was this white dude that was Native American uh, so that they could play into this narrative about how, like, the Native Americans were slaughtered at the start of the film. Yes. And, like, involved... But it's set in Africa. It's a horse race in Africa. Then he goes to Africa. Uh, okay? Okay. Because um, the Sultan says that he hates the fact that his horse is called the best long-distance horse in the world. And he has to go like race to prove that he's not mm. the best horse in the world. Okay. But basically, the scriptwriter just like completely made it up. And when the film was being made, a, an association of Native Americans were trying to like get this film, or at least get the film researched, get the film to represent the stories of Native Americans properly, mm. right? And the yeah. fact that this guy's not Native American. You can't just say this white dude and this American hero 
who's like spoken about in this one big massacre of Native Americans, uh, okay. is like part Native American. Yeah, you're like, why are you claiming so this? What was is it the, the screenwriter making this claim? Not, it's not the the guy himself made this claim. No, no, no. It was it was the screenwriter. Okay, okay. So it, yeah, in real life, the guy had nothing to do with Native Americanness. Yeah. No, he was, he was just a full-blown white American. Mm-hmm. And um, then Disney, the Disney executive at the time in an interview, when questioned about the historical accuracy of the film, said that a historical accuracy doesn't matter. Like, no one cares about that when they're watching a movie this epic. Yeah. It's, like, ridiculous. I'll put it on the Facebook group so you guys can see. Because, yeah, and I, then um, the Native Americans were like, no, it matters. You're seeing a white man chant a Native American spiritual ritual in the desert when he's about to die in order to call on the ancestors to help him. Mm. And this guy's not a Native American. Like, mm. what are you? What is the purpose of this? And even though the like executive on this movie said it doesn't matter, they provided historical teaching resources on the movie's website for teachers to use to talk about that massacre and the race um. on their website with all of the inaccuracies in them. Yes, but claiming them as true fact and history. And in all their marketing, they would say based on a true story. Oh God! So it's like oh, the, just show, yeah, the, the so mass, this like massacre that they reference is real, and the race is real, but there's no actual connection between the two. They fictionalized. I don't know this. that part. It was about sorry. The article was mostly about his identity and yeah, his, yeah. and how he was. But like, they like fictionalized this connection through the fictionalizing. The crazy part about that is it's so easy to address that, and you just don't make it a real person. Yes, you just make it a fictional character. Mm. You're yeah. inspired by true events. Yes. There you go. It's like the, the Greatest solved. Showman has the has the same problem. Yeah. Because that what's that guy's name? P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum. Apparently, he was human being. Awful. Yeah. Garbage uh, person. He, he was Is nuts. That he Hugh was Jackman's not, character. Yes. Yeah. But they make him to be this like wonderful, like just the the greatest man who's ever. He's the greatest showman. He's the greatest person who's ever lived. But he was a horrible racist who exploited the hell out of people and had yeah. slaves and. It's oh like just right. about that. the freaks just being on display. Yes. You know, he invented so, the freak so show. The, he, he invented the freak show and then the movie spins it like... Like he's so, empowering them. So he empowers them and gives them a chance yeah. to be them. And meanwhile, in real life, like he was really like, hey, everyone, look at the bearded lady. Yeah, let me exploit <laughs> these people and make money off of them. My God. Yeah. I wish I had the gall of some of these scriptwriters. Like all you have to do is just change the name. Make it not about P.T. Barnum. Yes. There you go. Problem solved. Yeah. Now I don't hate your story. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Bizarre. And also so, stuff like there was he he was the there's a subplot where he I think he employs a singer or something played by Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. And she's like horrible and lascivious and he and she's like basically trying to force him into having an affair. Didn't happen. He was like stalking her and he was and she was oh. the one who was like a victim of him basically. But in the movie oh. they switch it around so that she's now. So it's like this okay, is well, why we have the word problematic. I yes. was about to say and <laughs> I was literally about to make the argument like. With the Hildago and sort of the Woman King is is going well. It's, don't you think it's great how in time and in these days we don't get that <laughs> wrong? And then, yeah. and then you realize like we're still getting it wrong yeah. to this yeah. day. But at least we understand or hopefully try and sort of share. No, the, exactly because people aren't going to know that history of yes. this P.T. Barnum fellow. Yeah, and if they've seen the movie, they're going to assume that's true. Yeah, if you tell him that this is a person in history. Yes. And that becomes their narrative of that individual, mm. right? But also this, yeah, this is a problem because I really like Greatest Showman. Oh, really? <laughs> it's got some great songs, dude. Dude, from I the moment it, from the moment it started, like the first second, I got like a lump in my throat. Really? And I was like, oh God, I'm going to be 
seconds away from crying for the next <laughs> two hours. Because for me, I'm, I've done years of performance. I, mm-hmm. I, I went to, I was, you know, at Wits doing a BA in, in performing arts. I mean, I specialized in, in cinema or in film and TV, but performing and stage and, you know, you can see it. I also perform as a musician. Like, performing and music is such a big part of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I'm unashamedly like a huge fan of musicals yeah no it's totally <laughs> and um and it's part of what i think for me makes me a human <laughs> makes me who i am it's part of my identity right. the yeah. fact that i watched the buddy holly show as a young kid and that's what made me want to do half the stuff in my life mm. which was that musical that south africans put on about the life of buddy holly that went yeah. on to be actually quite a famous stage show it traveled the world but it started in South Africa. Wow. It was really good. It was lovely about Buddy Holly, mm. the musician. Yeah, um, yeah musicals are amazing. Musicals got me into movies. I yeah, think. Oh, it's right. a big part of me. Like so watching when, TCM. So when mm. I saw The Greatest Showman, I was like, oh, this is lovely. <laughs> I remember um, um, my mom loved it. She watched it quite a few times because it's got Hugh Jackman in it. Oh, yeah. um, but I remember sitting down at the beginning, like trying to watch it a bit. For some reason, I just like, it was just like, nope. <laughs> it was a nope movie for me. Really? Um, and I remember thinking that the music sounded so produced. It's very contemporary. Yeah. For a, a, pop, a period yeah. And piece. then I never believed that they were actually singing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I didn't buy into it. There mm. is even a more pop version of those songs. So there's like the, oh, the mu- film the, version. Yeah. No, yeah. So there's the film version, the official soundtrack. And then they even released another album, which was like a popified uh, version okay. of those songs. Yeah. Trying to which, make back. That's not great. Yeah, where they like they brought them into the new century. I get why, because I mean they did like sing along screenings of that film. We did sing along. Yeah, I was going to say like <laughs> yeah. that would make sense because people are freaking into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you ever see that behind the scenes moments of them rehearsing before they were making it? No. There's a story of how hard it was to get made. Now I don't care because of what you told me about <laughs> the history, but it was quite a beautiful little BTS mm. and. The moment when things finally came together, they got Hugh Jackman in the room with the um, ensemble cast singing along. Yeah. And it was a cool video. I must try to find it because but it was can, a lump in the throat moment as well. Can we agree that despite the bad part of the world now liking P.T. Barnum or yeah. thinking or being um, duped into thinking he was a nice guy, mm. the movie's themes, though, yes. outweigh the inaccuracy, yeah. potentially. Mm. I don't know. So what you come out with it and how it helps the freaks yeah. of the world yeah. stand more proud. Yeah, if they like rewrite mm. the history. But again, with the fictional character. Yeah. The yes. like problem okay. wouldn't so be yeah. there. So they, I mean, I, I suppose it's different when you're talking about someone who's been dead for however, like probably more than 100 years. Yeah. Like right. by portraying him this way, you're not aiding him in any way because he can't benefit from it anymore. Yes. You know, I guess there's some argument there to be made to be like, okay, I think if you know the history and you go into it knowing who he really right. was, I think you, I think it's okay. Okay. Can I? Um, yeah, like let's not feel guilty about pirating things if the people are dead. That's <laughs> yeah. just their estate benefiting from <laughs> yes. it. Like, looking at your Tolkien estate. <laughs> like it's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. It's different with someone like J.K. Rowling, you know, who's right. still benefiting from it and being terrible. Yes. Yeah, no. exactly. And this is why it's Very like different. everyone around me is like, don't buy the new Hogwarts game. Don't buy new Harry Potter books. But it looks good. It looks so good. <laughs> it's the Harry Potter game we've always wanted. Yes. And I've got to fucking play it. Because <laughs> she's you, a pop. What is the game? 
Hogwarts Legacy? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. What is it? The Pokemon Go vibe? Basically. Well, no, not Pokemon no, no, Go. No. Sorry, sorry. It's like the Pokemon games, but in the world of Harry oh, Potter, card, like, like a in card, a way. No, no, no. It's like, you're like Game Boy. a student at Hogwarts. It's the world. You're playing the characters like world. Yeah. You go to Hogwarts. They put you in a house. You go into the common room. You go to all the classes. But and it plays out like a game, like a like a PC game. Yeah, like yeah, an yeah. RPG. RPG game. Yeah. Cool. It looks amazing. It it's looks like fantastic. Always and, you, to and you're boycotting it because she's saying a whole bunch of silly things now. Well, she's an asshole. What is she's her awful. biggest? What is her biggest? What's the biggest bullet in in the in the gun to to that argument? It's it's that J.K. Rowling is essentially like saying that trans people are a problem because they call themselves women, what? and it's erasing the identity of existing women, or it's infringing on the rights of women that exist in the world or like she will get offended by the term woman with uteruses for example <laughs> um and saying that like we don't want men in bathrooms and like dead naming people like that yeah. you know and then the term that's come out is turf it's yeah. trans exclusionary radical feminist yes where it's saying that women are women and trans people cannot be women is what okay. she's doing so yeah. she's a transphobe she's full-on a transphobe but then in her rhetoric, mm. she will say, "I'm not a transphobe." Yes, you know, and you. It's but when are these comments coming out? Twitter. Yeah, mostly Twitter. It's her Twitter accounts. It's insane. Like every year, without fail, JK's like, "How's it? Here's some more bigotry." <laughs> because without opening up this whole can, um, something like what we, what's happening right now at the time of recording this episode is all the stuff Kanye West is saying about Jewish people. Yeah, <laughs> and. When I tried, having kind of seen the mushroom cloud <laughs> in the sky, I'm trying to figure out like what the actual bombs were. Mm. And there's more about the talking about it than what actually was said. It's quite hard, I must say, mm. in 2022 still to, to find the exact things that were said. To filter oh, out the noise. So there's more conversation about the ramifications and the fact yeah. that he has said stuff, but you're like, what? What was the actual thing? Yeah. I'm on a defense of him. I think he's a loon. But like, yeah. what, what, what was the thing that he said? What were some of the things he said? Has anyone actually... Like, I, the direct quote I saw is that Adidas can't fire me if I say anti-Semitic shits. Oh no, the first tweet was him saying, um, when I get back on Twitter after being unbanned, I'm going to go okay. code red on Jews. No, he's going to go DEFCON con 3. And people are like, it's DEFCON, you idiot. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah. On Jews. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wild. It's just like... That cause completely he's one of those Jews control the media, like conspiracy theorist. And he's yeah. bipolar. I mean, the guy has serious problems. Like he should be medicated. Yeah. But he's surrounded by yeah. yes people who, who just I saw that Gene Simmons wants. came out and said something about Kanye. He said, find some good people and sit down. So, like put good people in your life and sit down yeah. and we're saying when Gene Simmons has to tell you yeah <laughs> <laughs> like if that's the person with the moral sense of this situation yeah. you know you fucked up yeah yeah, yeah. but it's yeah the, not to now go in, into this more but but yeah you almost wonder why a JK Rowling now would would try and be talking about these things it's a or, it's her main concern it's like why why is that important like f just come up with like cool like wizard names yeah, and like speaking of which, another, one of the only write another like story about like wizards. Well, and yeah. like, probably she magic is. Potion. She's writing the freaking 
What the hell are they called? Magical an- magical animals. I can't find them. Where are they? What uh, are those movies called? Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. I like magical animals. I can't find them better. <laughs> Mag- what is it? Magical animals. I can't find them. And then the other one is magical animals. Johnny Depp was pretending to be Colin Farrell and he did some crimes. Yes. And then the yeah. new one. Johnny Depp was problematic, so yeah. we changed it but, to. And Mads then the third one is yeah. The third one is uh, magical animals. Um, what's his name? Mads. Dumbledore's got some secrets. Oh, Jude yeah. Law. Yeah, Dumbledore's got secrets. The secret said he's gay. Don't tell China or they won't release the movie. Yes. These are the full titles of the films, <laughs> by the way. I love the, I love the idea that, that the sort of young 40, 30, 40-year-old 40 um, character Jude Law's playing, the Dumbledore. Yes. Yeah. He's like a stylish man. He's wearing okay. like waistcoats here's, here's, and cool shit. And then at some point he just fuck turns into like yeah, a wizard the with bath big... robe wizard. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's a yeah, like speaking of controversies, here's a controversy as well. Jude Law, best Dumbledore. I'm gonna say it. Oh really? He's the best Dumbledore. I haven't seen I, the movies like released after all this shit started. He's great. Happening. He's got that so like little twinkle it. in his eye, that little oh, self awareness, really? that little bit of like he, what, Michael he, as opposed to like the the. The fir- who was the first one? Richard Harris. Richard Harris, just ancient man who didn't know what was no, going on. Was, he was old. I and then Michael Gambon was, was just yelling all the time. And like, I, don't know. I love I, Michael Gambon. I fall so into much. the I fall into the category of people that didn't know he changed. Yeah. <laughs> what? You know, there's a lot of people. Really? <laughs> totally. I mean, I was like, I was none the wiser. I didn't yeah. really pick no it up. Ways. I, I remember when in Prison of Azkaban, Michael Gambon just stands up. I'm like, who the fuck who is, is this? that? <laughs> When he gets up and gives his annual speech about yes. all the, the ways the children are going to die this year. <laughs> At this very dangerous school. Yes. What happened to the, the first guy? He died? He died. He died. No, Richard yeah. Harris. Wait, did you miss that? You obviously didn't hear the news that no, he No, no, I heard the news um, that he died, but I remember when the character like stood up, I didn't, because it was before like the internet, I had the internet at home mm-hmm. at least, yeah. or like things were easy to get a hold of. And he just stood up and I was like, what? oh, it's Dumbledore. Yeah. It like, had to be a moment <laughs> of... Okay. Like, uh, is it going to be a different character? Or, yeah. Like, how's yeah. it going to work? Because I hadn't read the books. But um, you mentioned earlier that J.K. Rowling must just continue r- naming wizards. <laughs> One of the only black characters in her books is, um, surname is Shacklebolts. Yeah. Which wow. is great. <laughs> Very good. Have, that could have been... She had the power and, um, yeah. and might to not do that. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I okay. think for Harry Potter fans, I think it's reached the point where... The fans can take ownership of it. Like there are people saying, "Oh, we have to like let it go, reject it, for, like pretend it doesn't exist." Basically, yeah. But I think it's at the point where fans can own it now, the way they do with Star Wars. Like George Luke, like Star Wars doesn't belong to George Lucas anymore, even though he created it. Yes. Yes. like literally and figuratively. I agree. Yes. But in this case, it can be the case of like, okay, thank you, Joanne, you've done your work. Now, mm. bugger off. <laughs> yes. It's ours now. You know, yeah. I think yeah. fans are allowed to do that, and they should. Totally. You know? And someone should just slowly like. Turn the volume down on their microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's like let's just let's just have you out outdoors and in your manner. Yeah, let's not let's not let's take the phone away. You have enough money, go away. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share a funny story. There was a <laughs> there was an anecdote that I remembered, which was about a woman who had this um, ivory bracelet, mm. and yeah. how at immigration. Um, she was allowed to pass because in this deep file that they had in America, because she said she was from a particular tribe, mm. they allowed her in because because in her culture, this is condoned to have an right. ivory bracelet. Oh. And I remembered the story and I thought that was interesting. And she had it her whole life. And then there was also the argument of 
that it's okay to wear ivory because um, in that part of the world there's a lot of elephants, so you're not you're not endangering the elephants. And anyways, so there was this story of this woman passing through immigration. And I turned to Leslie and I was like, what did we watch where there was the story of the woman with the bracelet and going through immigration? And we thought about it for a while. And then I was like, oh, fuck, it was in real life. (laughs) 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 We went away um, last weekend. And in real life, face to face, we hung out with this couple. And they were from Zambia. And now in their retired um, chapter of their lives, they were farmers in, in Cullinan. Mm. And their kids had treated them to this weekend away where we were. And we were hanging out at the fireplace hearing stories. And, we were, and she was telling us about how she went on like a, scholar, like a business scholarship, like an internship to, uh, to New York. And we were talking about her going to New York in the 70s. And there was all these sure. cool stories. And she shared this moment where she got stopped at immigration because she had this ivory um bracelet mm. and it was going to be a thing and she can't take it off because it's, it's she grew up with it on her wrist it can't come off uh, yeah. um, Whoa. and she was almost denied entry but she's like this is my culture i'm i'm, I'm allowed I, I we wear these we wear these and a guy checked in a file and and on record in immigration is if you are from this tribe you're allowed to wear it right. you're allowed to come into the country but what country was she going into or out of? Going into America. Okay. Right. But I just love the fact that I was like, what, what TV movie? show was that about? <laughs> and then I was like, it's it happens. in real life. It's yeah. amazing when you also get some... some Blur those lines. Mm-hmm. little factoid or something, but it happens in real life. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that because yeah. we're watching a lot of stuff at the moment. Yeah. And we're talking about a lot of stuff that you forget what you actually... Yeah. Can't separate reality from yeah. fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Wild, yeah. Um, okay, is there anything that we want to watch more of, or get into, or what's going on in our lives? Oh, do you want do you want to watch Bros? When is that coming? I don't know. I don't know when Bros is coming. Is it coming to South like, Africa? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, we cinemas. Must check. Yeah, because I've do you been know seen. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so it's like sexually explicit gay comedy. Uh, yeah, well, with it's Billy Eichner. Uh, yeah, the 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 simple kind of context back of the box, more than the kind of narrative back of the box, mm. is that much in the way in which Black Panther was the was this sort of big, huge budget black superhero which yeah. broke box office records, the way in which Crazy Rich Asians was the largest assembled Asian cast for a big Hollywood picture, mm. that being the the defining thing, the yeah. big Hollywood picture, what these giant studios would, would put $200 million behind. Yeah. Um, this is that for gay representation. Right. So okay. it, this is a big Judd Apatow multi-million dollar production mm. about a gay story, a gay love affair, okay. a gay relationship. But sh- but never before in, in in the interviews with Billy Eichner, who do you know Billy Eichner? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, so he was famous for the viral videos Billy on the Street, and then mm. he's Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Oh yes. He played uh, Timone in he the was, terrible Lion King. He was <laughs> Timone in the Lion King. We like to forget. Um, and uh, and yeah, so he he advertises it as being 
groundbreaking in the fact that no Hollywood studio has ever gotten behind. Okay. So it's typically like a subgenre that's been relegated to indie. Yeah, and, indie and only in the past have we got things like The Birdcage, which, mm-hmm. you know, is ridiculous. Yes. And, <laughs> I love and that movie. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, it is what it is. But but never before have you just been given this love story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently and it like bombed at the box office, but I've heard yeah, right. that like, people are saying it's really good. Okay. Yeah. So I'd like to see it. I think I think it's 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 a funny one because if you if you hype it too much, you could perhaps only get disappointment. No, totally. Um, it happens with with like everything. Where what they perhaps should have done is just let it grow, let it let it be a hit, as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to tell everyone that it's mm. going to be a hit before it is uh, one. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, I think movies that I'm keen to watch. I must research when they're coming out here or how to get a hold of them. Is Blonde. On Netflix? Is that a Netflix thing? Okay, I want to watch Blonde. And like in tandem tandem discussion there is, oh, Netflix, Dharma and Blonde. Because Mm. around Dharma and Blonde, I've been seeing really interesting discussions about like meta commentary. Like when we're depicting these figures in history Mm. and yes, they're both dead. One was a victim. One was a predator. Yes. You know, they, the ways in which you are showcasing this history Mm. I know in the fact of Dharma, they're talking about it's re-traumatizing for the families of the victims. Right. Yeah. Um, I know with Blonde, they're talking about the way in which they frame her as being hypersexual or I can't remember a lot of the commentary I've been reading, but it's been interesting discussions like what we're talking about with the Dolgo and mm. um, I've just been seeing so much of that discussion online lately, which yes. is interesting. So it Good. makes it's me like curious a, to it's watch. A, it's an audit. Yes. It's a nice audit. Yes. Mm. And and you can do your own audit. You can see how other people are auditing. But it's nice that the films themselves are being audited. I remember th- as a friend sent me a thing that the director of Blonde said, where he said, who doesn't want to see an R-rated film of Marilyn Monroe? I was like, ooh. Right. Hmm. Oh, a man saying that? That's that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can take that. Though. There's a lot of ways you can take it, yeah. It's yeah. true. It's a very indulgent film. I've started watching it. It's 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 arty. <laughs> I. <laughs> it's not punchy. Yeah, it's quite arty. I remember they were saying it's like the citizen. It's like modern Citizen Kane. They were quite mm. proud of what they did. Mm. Okay, with no, it. I, it's difficult, eh? Really? Yeah, I must say, I, 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 it's it's a tragedy that you can so easily just exit, right, and watch something else Oof, in in the no. modern streaming era. Because That's if you good. think if you think about it, you got in your car. You drove down the road, you paid 50 rand, which was quite a lot of money. You walked away with the film, you came all the way home, yeah. you got your pizza, and you, <laughs> put in the, you put in the, the, the VHS or then the DVD. You got to commit to it, man. You yeah. do. There's, one, there's nothing else to fucking watch that night. And two, like, well, you got it, so you're there, you might as well finish it. So I reckon in the in the video store era, yeah. we, we probably put up with more movies than yes. we should have <laughs> I because remember. we were like what else do I do I've, I've cleared my schedule and um, I'm here yeah. there's nothing else to watch I remember watching doing that with Close Encounters of the Third Kind because I hadn't seen it before uh, and I was like yes. 15 or 16 Yeah. and for some reason it was like usually my time to watch movies on the weekend yeah. like where I found some fringy like Japanese golden era like <laughs> films to watch by myself but for some reason the family were going to sit down and watch this movie with me Oh uh, yeah. and then both my parents were just like, this is rubbish, turn it off. 
Mm. I was like, how? Uh, well, firstly, now I'm like, how fucking dare, how dare you? you? It's a masterpiece of yes. a movie. But then I was like, oh, it's a film about a man destroying his home yeah. because of an obsession with something else. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys weren't going through that at all <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Not at all. No, Steven Spielberg was like holding a mirror to you. Yeah. It's crazy. I've never like, seen it. You haven't seen Close Encounters? Really? Nope. <gasps> oh, man. Somehow it missed me. Maybe my favorite film of all time. Maybe. Which kind? Third kind. Third, third kind. kind. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. So Close Encounters of the First Kind is radio contacts? No, for Close Encounters of the First Kind is... Physical contact. Visual, like seeing something that you oh. can't explain. This is the... I can't remember what they call it, second, but it was created by... Second is? Second is physical evidence. Okay. And then third, third is, is when you meet them. Actually meet them. Yes, meet the aliens. That was uh, the scale created by... J. Allen Hynek, I think his name was. <laughs> He's in the film. He's in... Oh, really? Yeah. And the end scene when like all the scientists and everything are around, there's a dude who has like a, a Colonel Sanders white, like, white beard. If you look for that guy, that's J. Allen Hynek. The guy who created that scale. Yeah. Also, I mean, it it's features... not the hardest scale to create. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's but not... he created it's it. It's not deep science. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a cool problem about what you just said. Um, Columbus's egg. Have you ever heard of Columbus's egg? Columbus's egg. Yeah. What are you, what it's are a you thought saying? experiment. Okay, so you're yeah. saying, oh, anyone could have done that. I, like it's an easy scale to come up with, but yeah. he did. Okay, that's yes. the point. Yes. So no, what Columbus did is people were saying that, oh, you discovered a trade route around America yeah. that solved a problem. I, can, I don't know the details. Yeah. I don't have <laughs> useless information <laughs> like you. Sorry. Um, but And people were saying anyone could have done that. Yes. So what he said is he said to all the people around the table, okay, put this egg and balance, take this egg and balance it upright mm. for me. And there were six men around him trying to balance this egg upright. None of them could do it. Columbus all, said this. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a, or it's like, I don't know if it comes from Columbus, but it's like a thoughts experiment. Okay. Or like attributed to him, like discovering America, even though okay. he didn't. Well, yeah, something like that. Or it's, <laughs> I don't think it's about the discovery of America. Yeah, yeah. It's a trade route. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then? But then um, afterwards, what he did is he like tapped the, the, the narrower parts of the head of an egg mm-hmm. on the table so it became flat and then like put it down on the table upright. Right. Okay. It's like, look, you guys could have done it, but I did it. Yes. It's an interesting thing. So you don't okay. detract from the significance of, I wasn't like yeah. marking you for yeah. that, but it's an interesting thought. Sorry. A little colfactoid came out of yeah, that. Yeah, what, <laughs> what am I? This is one of my facts. Um, okay. I wanted to say about um, one of the French New Wave directors. What was his name? Godard. Not Godard. The one who did The Fourth Blow? What's that movie 400 called? 400 Blows. The 400 Blows, thank you. Mm-hmm. The Fourth. Truffaut? Yes. Oh, Truffaut. Okay, Truffaut. he's Truffaut. in Close Encounters. He's in Close Encounters, yes. the third kind is an yeah. actor. Yeah. I love how, like, Werner Herzog, like, pops up in a lot of, like, mainstream <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's and so people weird. have no idea, like, the weird scope of his, of his work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of, some of those documentaries that, that he's done. Very same show. I've never watched one. So we screened one um, at the Bioscope called something about at the edge, at the end of the world. Something at the end of the world. And it's all about an- Antarctica. Or mm-hmm. the, where the penguins? Penguins are in Antarctica. Right? The Arctic is the one at the top. The north the one, one the yes. One of them's got penguins, one of them doesn't. Antarctica yes. is the one at the bottom. That's yeah. the continent. Yeah, okay. that's the one. Whereas the, the top one is just the ice sheet. Uh, the oh Arctic yeah, is, is at the top. Antarctic is at the bottom. Yeah, that's But I'm the not continent. sure which one has penguins. The north one. The north one. I think, the, one. I think yes. the south, which is why the penguins came to, Come to South Africa. Cape Town. 
to... I think the penguins in Antarctica. Might be this Irish. will be a great one for the cash-up. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in this documentary... High school geography. <laughs> in this documentary, which follows the, 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 the ice and the penguins and it's something about being at the edge of the world. Yes. There's this great moment where, like, something happens in penguin life <laughs> where, like, the one penguin might just leave the flock and go off. Right. By itself. By itself. Just and it's like, the lonely penguin... <laughs> is going off, you know, to die. But it's just like the way in his in his the German he accent it, he yeah. talks about like the lonely penguin. <laughs> it's so cute. That like deep, like oh, it's so it it sounds dark when he yeah. speaks about mm. things. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he shows up in Parks and Rec, I think it's like yeah. the best celebrity camo ever. And he's like, when they buy the house, Andy and 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 uh, yeah. Oh. No, I hate no. that I can't remember this uh, stuff. Fuck it. What's your name? Oh, man, we must cash up that. Damn it. <laughs> but uh, they buy this like dingy looking haunted sh- piece of shit house at the edge of town. Right. These two like very fun loving quirky characters. Yeah. So it's very bizarre. But then Vanna Hartzok is standing in there as the no. previous owner or real estate <laughs> agent. It's like, I sold the house because I wanted to go to Disneyland. He's just saying they're like expressionless. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he's a very credible filmmaker uh, for yeah, those yeah. trying to understand why yeah. we're finding this funny. Yes. Is that he's made very... He's a significant filmmaker. Very yeah. serious and also very credible cinema. Oh, a mm. lot of people recognize him from The Mandalorian. Yes. I want to see the baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then he sort of moonlights as this sort of funny character actor. Yeah. yeah. But he's got all this cred in the filmmaking world behind him, which is interesting. <laughs> okay, boys, let's... Uh, boys. Let's get back to work. But I'm yeah. keen to watch Bros with you. I'd love to watch Bros. As your, as your heterosexual friend. <laughs> I'll welcome you into a space and make it safe And for I you. think it would be fun to watch it with you. Yeah. And I was yeah. thinking of getting a whole bunch of gays to go with me. I'd be like, <laughs> let's make this like what they do with Fifty Shades of Grey and they say, yeah. girls night out. I'm like, yes, let's go watch but the point male of this movie sexies is, together. But the point of this movie is that it's, is that it's for everyone. So right. That's why no, I exactly. wanted to be exactly. a test where Everyone I come, come to you, uh, come with you, and and we see what I think of it. I always try to create that space for my friends. Mm. Uh, I told we can't go on too far. <laughs> my friend was like, my girls, my girlfriend's going to Babylon. Um, I, 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 I like I, I know nothing's going to happen, but I don't want to go without a mate <laughs> like that knows that space. Can you come with me? It's like, of course I'll go with you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I feel what so is, flattered. What is he afraid is going to happen? No, it's just, it's a, it's a very different space for like a heterosexual man that hasn't engaged in that kind of environment before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, there was gay porn playing on the screens everywhere and there were like 20 half naked men like running yeah. around in jock straps. So yeah. I was like, like, this is a lot for you. I'll make <laughs> you feel comfortable. Let's dance together. Let's just chat. <laughs> so you can like be distracted by yeah. the anal you're seeing on the TV. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Is it quite interesting? They explicit? do it to chase off for the stray boys that go there to hunt girls. Interesting. Yeah, I was about to say that could be a good spot to meet women. That's what all the straight boys think. Yeah. See? <laughs> 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 and the problem is they're like basically invading a queer space because if your intent is to go there to find women, mm-hmm. the women are there because they don't want to be hit on by men. Yeah. They're there to hang out with their gay friends and have some fun. It's a safe space for them. Mm. So they're kind of just like, this is a space, like, it's, you're welcome. Straight people are, of course, welcome. But if you had to, like, mm. hunt people and be, like, they... Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, we must watch things. Bros. <laughs> watch bros when it comes out. I must stop watching American Horror Story. It's stupid. <laughs> I should stay far away from it. 
yeah, it's it's like a lot of fun, but yeah. it's it's dumb. I'm just, I'm wasting time. I'm doing blank, like binging, uh, which yeah. I hate. Mm, yeah. What are you gonna watch, Graham? Oh, hell, I don't know. I realized because I mentioned the last time that I watched the Venom movies and it destroyed my brain. Yes. And I realized when that happens, I retreat into familiarity. Right. So all I've been watching is Avatar. Okay. Rewatching Avatar for like the fiftieth time oh, and Legend of Korra. Is it still on IMAX? No, not that Avatar. Animate the the series. Oh, the animated series. Yes. Okay, the cool. good Avatar. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yes, and that's and the really, Legend of and Korra, that, and that has nothing to do. Not related in any way. Yeah. In any way. But they are. Have they re-released the original Avatar on IMAX? Yeah, they did. I has think it already it's happened? Already. Yeah, I think it's coming. I actually wish on. I watched that. Would have been nice to maybe do a little yeah. rewatch. Um, and then the, when is the new one coming out? Mm, December. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. It's already here. Hectic. And we're getting I think one. The next we're getting big film is three more. Yeah, we're getting three more every two years from now. Yeah. Avatar movies. Yeah. Interesting. Well, if this one makes money. I feel like if it doesn't make money, then they're going to go, okay, we're just not going to make this. I think it's going to make money. It'll probably make money. Okay. Time will tell. Yeah. Okay, all the best. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we had sign off. My name is Russell Grant. Thank you for tuning in. I had a fat chat with Cole Matthews. And Graham Hackney. Uh, the one thing to get right in our cash up, this is the cash up, which is what we do at the end of every episode where we can fact check and right the wrongs and make sure everything balances before we turn off the lights and go home. Aubrey Plaza's character in Parks and Rec was called April Ludgate. Sorry about that. I'm sure there were a few of you out there that were busy shouting out uh, <laughs> to your speaker. Um, knowing that, but we um, in the moment just forgot it. All right. Uh, if you want to share the love, we are the video store.co.za. Please like and subscribe to the show if whatever platform you are listening to us currently on. Um, but yeah, share the love with those who don't know it, the video store.co.za. Uh, there is a Facebook fan page, there is a Instagram page, all the links are, are over there. And we'd hope to see you soon. Thank you very much for everyone who came out to the last Video Store Presents night. Last week we did the film What We Do in the Shadows. And it was lovely to meet you and lovely to present the film. And, and as we said, see you face to face. We have another one coming up. It is on the 18th of November. We're going to screen the, the cult classic Faster Pussycat Kill Kill which is a lovely film from the 60s that we are all eager to watch and learn more about and talk about. And so we'd love you to come out for all of those living in Joburg. The tickets are available at thebioscope.co.za. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in and we will see you next week.